Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Be careful. Be careful. Don't, 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 no, don't take another step. Back up, back up, back. No, if you take another step, you're going to, don't do it. Good morning, everyone. I know, an unusual introduction. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, January the 18th, 2022. It is currently 11.03 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas, where sometimes right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas, you can be out walking in the middle of nowhere, And you've got to watch where you step, especially at certain times of the year, because you could be stepping right next to a rattlesnake, right next to it. Now, sometimes you'll hear the rattle where they're warning you. They're warning you, hey, hey, you you should probably back up. And when you hear that rattle, you're like, okay, 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 back up. But sometimes you don't even hear the rattle, and all of a sudden you take a step, and boom, there it is. And you're like, that's no good. let, Let me tell you. A story. Let me tell you a story. It's going to be story time. I, I, just, just stay with me. Stay with me. I can't remember how I was probably maybe 13, 14, maybe 13, 14. Maybe I was even 12. I, I was staying with a family because of situations in my family. Won't go through that whole messed up story. But I was staying with a family. And they had, I don't know, about maybe 10 acres of land, 15 acres. I, I, I don't remember. They, it was near... Uh, what they, they called it Arrowhead Mountain. It really wasn't a mountain like Arrow. I don't know. Arrowhead something. Um, and they had some land out there. And of course, uh, here in West Texas, at least at that time when I was young, it, every every boy had a motorcycle. We all had motorcycles and we rode them everywhere. So, so, you know, uh, we just it was just something we always did. And so I was always riding dirt bikes all over the place. So we had some motorcycles and we were out just and the way the land this, this, the, the property they had, it was kind of an interesting 10 or 15 acres. At the, at the beginning, you're just, you know, you're just, it's kind of flat, it's level and lots of good places for, for trails. And then as you get further in a couple of acres in, it kind of starts this incline up this very large hill. And then the, the property line ended at the, at the top of this hill and you could get up there and it was awesome. I think you could, I think from the, from the property, you could see like Lake, uh, it's called Lake Abilene, even though it's you know, what, 20 something miles from Abilene. Um, And it was just a kind of a beautiful little place just to sit up there. It was nice. It was peaceful. But we would take our motorcycles and ride over there uh, all over the place in that early part of the property where it was kind of flat. And then we had trails that kind of went up and as it started going up and further and further on the incline up to the top of this hill. And we had lots of fun riding all over the place. And I I was riding along, moving along, and there was like this little kind of like the the way the dirt went, it was like this jump and it went over like all of these like fallen trees and bush and I hit the jump. And when I did, I, I just kind of came off the motorcycle. Like the motorcycle went and I was in the air and I come crashing down, boom, into the ground. The motorcycle hit the side of the, the, the hill and then kind of fell over and, and then it, you know, the, the engine died. And I'm just laying there and I'm like, I'm just a little bit shocked. And all of a sudden I freeze. I freeze and I hear it literally sounded like, and now this is somewhat of hyperbole. I'm not exaggerating it just to make the story more dramatic. I'm trying to explain how it sounded in my brain. It sounded like a thousand rattlesnakes warning me that I was in danger. I, I hit the ground and I looked and I basically landed like in a pit of rattlesnakes is what I did. I cannot tell you now exactly how many were there in my mind at the time it felt like there were literally thousands because you could just hear the rattle you could hear the rattle of the rattlesnake and I'm like whoa how did I end up in this mess like if I obviously I didn't see it because if I would have saw it I mean I've, I've probably taken the jump and probably had landed and never even realized that there was so many rattle it was like a, a pit of rattlesnakes here I never even realized it but there I was and they were and I was like, oh no, oh no. And I just, I just, I just sat there, did not move. Right. And my friend was like, oh no, he's, he stopped and like, oh no, 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 no. He's like, don't move, don't move, don't move. So he 
takes off back to uh, where the house was. He, he gets a gun. He comes back. He's ready to start shooting rattlesnakes. I'm like, well, wait, 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 wait. So I try to slowly ease my way out. Some of them, like jump out at me trying to strike. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to get bit by, I'm going to get bit by, who knows? In, in my mind, again, it was like thousands of rattlesnakes. I can't tell you. I don't think it was, it obviously wasn't in the thousands. It probably was more like 30, 40, maybe 50. That's probably more reasonable. But in my brain, it just, it just felt like there were thousands. And so I, I'm like, oh, this is crazy. This is crazy. So I start slowly getting back and, and the good thing is they're, they're, they, they seem to be more focused on one side and there's none really behind me. So I'm able to get out. I'm able to get out. And then he comes in with the gun and just start boom, 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 boom. They start shooting them. Rattlesnakes are jumping everywhere. It's just craziness. And it, it just shows you that sometimes when you don't think there is danger in front of you, stop, stop. Be careful. Don't take another step. Don't take another step move back. See, for us, it was just this awesome place to ride motorcycles. This awesome place. We had ridden motorcycles through there all the time. It was great. It was, the jump was, the dirt there was just perfectly elevated. So it was made for a great jump on the motorcycle. Boom. And just landed and just keep going. It was, it was awesome. We'd never perceived any true danger there, but unknown to us, there was danger, a whole lot of rattlesnakes. And I could have ended up, I mean, just, I mean, other than, you know, the providence of God, I could have landed not, I landed in a spot where the rattlesnakes weren't. I could have landed like literally on top of them. And then I would have been bit who knows how many times, who knows how many times. And then, I mean, we were, what, how, how, how many miles from there to the actual, to the actual hospital? I was probably 40 40 miles, maybe 35 miles, 40 miles from the nearest hospital. I would have been, I would have been in, I would, who knows? I probably would have been dead. So it's just one of those amazing situations. But I, I, what I want you to get from it is we didn't perceive any danger. It's not like we're like, hey, guys, listen, there's like 50 rattlesnakes in there. We're going to jump them with our motorcycles. Now, obviously, as a teenage boy in West Texas, we probably would have been like, yeah, let's do it. We probably would have done that. Okay, but, but, but in reality, we didn't know. We didn't know. It, pers- it just seemed like an awesome place to ride motorcycles, no real danger, no real threat. And I really want to drive that point home for this week's Bible study exercise. Now, the Bible study exercises that we've done previously have been very philological, very academic, very, very precise and trying to... to, to take these passages apart and understand them. This week, we're taking just a slight detour because I think, listen, it's important to do, when you're doing Bible study, it's important to have lots of different variation, right? Sometimes you need to be very like verse by verse, exegetical, trying to take it apart. But there are also times where you need to look at a very important topical concept to really look at this very important con- uh, very important concept that's very important for your spiritual life in a very practical way. Now, let me make it very clear. The, theor- the theological exegesis verse by verse, that is just as important to your life. That, and, it's, and it's practical as well. But I'm saying this is pra- practical in a different way. Theology is practical. Let me make it very clear. Theology is practical taking verses apart, trying to understand the historical context, trying to figure out dates and times. And all of, all of that is important because it's God's word. But there's also a different kind of pr- being practical where we're looking about things that are very much related to our spiritual walk, our spiritual journey that may not be as, and, and I, I'm trying to draw a distinction here, quote unquote, philological, so academic where we're not trying. So was it 587 BC or was it 787 BC? Was it the Assyrians or the Babylonians? Was it this king or this king? All of those things are important, but we also need other kinds of studies as well. And one of the great things about the Bible study exercise is each week we never know what's going to happen. We approach everything in a different way. And a lot of times the text really drives us. Well, this week, for our Bible study exercise, we're looking at a topic, and, and I've already kind of hinted at what the topic is, but before I say the topic, the passage in front of us is Genesis chapter 37. 
Genesis chapter 37. And someone in our uh, the Theology Central uh, dis- Discord discussion group has already mentioned just how familiar Genesis 37 is. They've, they've heard so much teaching on it. They're so familiar with it. That they're, that they're even struggling with trying to like, okay, I got to put, put aside everything that I've heard and now approach this in a different way because I'm really challenging everyone to approach Genesis 37 in a very different way. Now, I understand when we look at Genesis chapter 37, immediately we are introduced to two very, very well-known characters in the Bible. Genesis chapter 37, verse 1, and Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. We have Jacob and we have Joseph. And really now this is getting ready to begin really the story of Joseph. And everyone is very familiar with the story of Joseph. And the story of Joseph gets us into a lot of discussions about the sovereignty of God. And that's, that's very reasonable, that's very, that's wonderful, that's great. There's nothing wrong with approaching the text and story from that perspective. It's perfectly okay. But that's not what I want to do this week. We have been talking about the sovereignty of God and our other studies, right? The studies of reprobation on, uh, in uh, Romans chapter 8. We've talked about election and foreknowledge and God's providence. We, we've, we've, we've covered all of that. So I didn't want to just approach it this way as well. The the Bible study curriculum we had gave me the idea, let's look at this in a completely different perspective. So let, let me establish what we have here. Genesis 37, we have a historical narrative that brings the, uh, that gives us the story of these individuals. Now, yes, we can look at the, the sovereignty of God in it. Yes, we can figure out the customs, the history. We, there's a lot of things we can figure out. But what I want to do this week is I'm trying to take this historical narrative, this story, and I want to use it to talk about some very important topics that I think are critical, or at least one major topic. It's going to be one major topic with some sub subpoints that all relate to this overall topic. And the topic that I want us to really consider this week is the subject of spiritual pitfalls. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that in, our, in your spiritual life, as you're walking, because the Christian life is described as a walk as well as described as a race, but as you are walking in your spiritual life, you need, wait, 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 stop, 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 back up, back up, watch where you step, because there can be pitfalls that don't look dangerous, then there's, that doesn't look in anything, something you have to worry about. Just like when I was out riding the motorcycle, I didn't perceive any danger. And next thing you know, boom, rattlesnakes. Sometimes in your spiritual life, you look, oh, this is wonderful. This is, gr-. watch where you step. And then the next thing you know, spiritually speaking, you're in a pit of rattlesnakes. I think spiritual pitfalls, we all know can show up at any time. Now, I know the concept spiritual pitfalls is not something that like, here's the chapter in the Bible that talks about spiritual pitfalls. I think the spiritual pitfalls are illustrated for us throughout the Bible, right? They're all over the place. And and they're warnings like, hey, hey, see right there? That may not look like a big problem, but it can be. And I'm looking at spiritual pitfalls very much in light of like something that doesn't look problematic, doesn't look like an issue, but can be, can present major issues in your spiritual life. And sometimes we don't see it as an actual spiritual pitfall. We don't, we don't even see it. We don't even recognize it. There are plenty of things in the, in our Christian lives that we are warned about that danger, danger, danger. We, we, we are, we're given those things that are clearly labeled dangerous, like they're clearly labeled, don't touch, keep out, no trespassing. There's, there's, the spiritual life is filled with those things. I'm more worried about those things that we may not even perceive as being a problem. And then next thing you know, we're like, man, alive. This is, co- I've, 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 I've had more problems in this area than that area, right? And, and again, let me define pitfalls for you. Let me define pitfalls for you, right? Pitfall. Now, if you look up pitfalls, then basically you're going to end up with the definition of a pitfall. All right, a pitfall. A pit, flimsily covered 
So a flimsy covered or camouflaged pit. So you have a pit there, but there's this camouflage. There, there's something covering it. Now they use the word flims, flimsily. That, that's the word used in the dictionary. But it, it, just think of a pit with a flimsy cover laid atop, atop of it, right? So there's a pit and there's something covering it, right? And it's flimsy. And the reason they want to stress that it's flimsy is as soon as you step on it, boom, you go crashing down. Now, for me, when I was riding the motorcycle, it, it, there wasn't anything covering it other than it's just, it was just the land that we had, we, we have, you know, been running around on forever. We didn't think anything about it. it. In a sense, it had a cover on it that it just felt safe. We, we could say beautiful. It was an awesome place to be. And we did not perceive the danger. So I want you to think of a pit that's covered and camouflaged. It's camouflaged in the sense, the camouflage is the sense that it takes, it it lowers your defenses. You don't see it as a dangerous situation. You see it as no big deal. No big deal. No, I, that, that, that's not a, there's no danger there. There's no, I've, I've found myself in situations in my Christian life where it, I didn't perceive a danger. I'm like, well, there's no danger there. And trust me, I then woke up in a pit not only surrounded by rattlesnakes, I'd been bit 50 times by them, all right? Now, I'm not, that's not exactly how a rattlesnake bite would, would sound, but I'm just trying to, for illustration, it was like, I mean, I got them all over, I got the marks all over my body. Now, I don't blame anyone else. I'm, no, I'm not making any excuses. I'm saying I, I didn't perceive the danger, and maybe I should have, but I didn't. Until it was too late. We got to look for those things in our spiritual life that doesn't look like a problem. And then you're captured. You fall into the pit. You're captured. So their, their full definition in this dictionary, a pit flimsily covered or camouflaged and used to capture and hold animals or men. Another definition, a hidden or not easily recognized danger or difficulty. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. You emphasized this all in part one. I know I did, but I have to overemphasize it because of what we're getting ready to do. Just just stay with me. Stay with me, all right? Uh, This is one of those weeks of study where I I am really passionate about this concept, but I don't know if everyone else is going to be as, I think a lot of people are going to be like, let's study something more interesting. See, and the minute you think that way, then I don't know when, but I'm going to get that email some point down the road and you're going to tell me, well, everything was going great. And then boom, well, this is what's happened to me in my life. Yeah, because remember that lesson we had about spiritual pitfalls? You should have paid more attention to it. I don't want you to end up in the pit. I don't want you to end up getting bit by rattlesnakes. I don't want that to happen. Now, we're going to use Genesis 37 this week to look for those spiritual pitfalls. Spiritual pitfalls. We're going to use the historical narrative and the story of this family, a literal historical story, real people, everything really happened, but we're just going to got to look at this and go, what, 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 as we look at this, this story, where are some spiritual pitfalls that we can identify and then try to see how we have fallen into these pits before? or maybe um, how we can avoid them in the future. And I've got one here that I think everyone's going to disagree with me. In fact, as soon as I say this, it's going to create lots of controversy. So you need to hear, y'all, you got to hear what I'm going to say here. This is going to be so misrepresented. I know it is. It's going to, uh, I'm, I'm almost, I almost wanted to avoid that. I, 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 in my journal, in my journal right here, I, I did, I like, I have one page here. I got pencils falling out, all of my journals. I have one page where I started my work on Genesis 37. Then I stopped, went to a separate page, and went ahead and wrote it down. <laughs> okay. And, 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 I, and I, I separated it from the other because I kept going, well, which one am I going to go with? Am I going to go with the second page or am I going to go with the first page? And I'm going to go with the second page. I'm going to go with the second page. And, and, and please, the email, newsif at yahoo.com, please use it. I, I don't hide behind the microphone. I'm right there. And if you're, if you're listening live, 
as soon as I mention this one, feel free to jump in the chat and tell me that you think I'm wrong. I, that's, that's perfectly okay. I want to hear you your opinion. But I think that there is something here we need to consider. And it's something that we would not consider as a pitfall. That's the reason I want to bring this one up. I think this is a pitfall that we don't ever even consider. But I think it's it's filled with traps that we can step in and, and find ourselves in a pit. At the same time, well, there, there, there's some good things about it. Just, just stay with me, see if this makes sense. Are you ready? Here we go. Genesis chapter 37. So I've been re- just reading it over and 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 over again, all right? And I started breaking it down. And the more I read it, the more I broke it down, you know, into smaller parts. So here we go. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger and the land of Canaan. Now, we know who Jacob's father is, right? Okay. So he's in, the, he's, he's in a land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. So we have Jacob. We have a mention of his father, right? Isaac, right? So we have Jacob. We have the reference to Isaac. Just, just stay with me. These are the generations of Jacob, Joseph. So we have Jacob. We have a, 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 at least a, a, a kind of a reference that points back to Isaac. We have Joseph mentioned, all right? Uh, And uh, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. So he's out feeding the flock with his brothers. So now we have Jacob, we have Isaac, we have Joseph, we have his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, my initial walking through the text was, oh, wait, Joseph gives an evil report. What do we do with that? Is, is, there, is there a spiritual pitfall in what Joseph does here? Is there, is there a spiritual pitfall here? But I, I stopped and said, you know what? Before we get to everything that takes place here, what is the first thing really emphasized in this text? Well, look at it. You have Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his Father, Isaac, was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Now, some people say, well, you've got, you got the polygamy. you got wives. Okay, yeah, and, I, and trust me, I, 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 at one point, I even started there. Then I jumped down to, well, Joseph gives an evil report. So I'm, I'm just looking at, where are all these spiritual pitfalls? And then I stopped and go, wait a minute. The reason I'm missing this is because we would never even consider this a spiritual pitfall. We wouldn't even recognize it. We wouldn't even think about it. We, we definitely would not preach it as a spiritual pitfall. Never. I, I, I doubt there's a sermon that, that preaches it this way. And I know I'm going to immediately get pushback. But hear me out. Is it possible that one of the biggest spiritual pitfalls that's never even identified as a pitfall, it's never even talked about as a pitfall, is, what do you think I'm going to say? What do you think I'm going to say? I, I I hate when I do that. I, I look up at the I look up at the sanctuary at all the pews, and I'm waiting for someone in a pew. Uh, what 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 is it? One day I'm gonna sit there and look up, and someone's just gonna rise up from one of the pews and give me an answer, and I'm gonna scream. Okay, uh, but I keep I always look for some weird reason to the pews, like okay, someone give me an answer. But there's no there's no one in here. Okay, so nobody can. What 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 do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Come on, I've almost given it away. Is it possible that family is a spiritual pitfall? Is it possible? Now I know, I know. No, 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 no. Family is a blessing from God. Family is is the 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 family unit is the you know the foundation of a good society. I understand. I look. I understand all of that. I, I'm no way. I don't want you to at any point diminish the importance of family, the blessing of family. I don't want to any way, shape, or form diminish that. But ever all of the problems 
that arises within this story that we have before us. In fact, I would argue, go through Genesis, right? Over and over and over, aren't some of the major issues that arise happens within the context of family. Over and over and over. Isn't that where where it takes place? Is it possible that when that family is a grave spiritual pitfall, even though it's a blessing. And that's that's the that's kind of the, the thing that camouflages it, right? Oh, it's a blessing. Children are a blessing from the Lord and, and marriage is wonderful and it, it's blessed by God and it's beautiful and it's awesome and, and mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts and oh, let's have a family reunion and family is wonderful. Family, 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 family. Focus on the family. Family, family. How many Christian ministries are dedicated to family, to family, to family, 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 family? And I'm not saying that there's anything bad about it. I'm not. But in the what, what's considered good is it's something that when we step into, we don't even realize it, and boom, we end up in a spiritual pit. And it's related to family. Can family be a spiritual pitfall? Now, I just want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. For all the blessings that arise from family, you can talk about companionship. You can talk about the, uh, the ability to engage in a physical relationship without any sin or shame, all right? The marriage, marriage bed is undefiled, right? You, we can talk about all the beauty of, the, of, of producing children and raising children, and you've got companionship, and you've got people who love you, and people who will care for you, and people who protect you. All of the, all of the positive things. Now, now I, I, I've got to be, I've got to be very, very, very careful here because what you may think is, if you know me, you're like, well, yeah, but you've got a really, really, really bad history with family and everything that happened to you growing up. I understand that. I understand that. So I can be very cynical about it, right? But I'm hoping I'm not approaching it from that perspective. I just want you to think about this. So with all of that beauty that's there, just, just think about this, all right? The minute you consider your spirituality and the context of family, don't you realize how many things immediately get laid at your feet of your spiritual responsibilities within that family? For example, you get married, boom, immediately. So before marriage, one, one, one way of approaching life. And then you get married and immediately what happens? Now, if you're a husband, you are immediately commanded to now love that woman as Christ loves the church. Immediately, that the woman is told to submit herself to her husband as unto the Lord. Whoa, that's some serious responsibilities that just immediately get placed in front of you immediately. And then you you realize very soon, not only do you have the responsibility, then guess what happened? You have you, you, now these two individuals who have become one, they've become one in a spiritual sense. But guess what you realize? You're still very much two separate people, right? Your own desires, your own will. And then you find yourself in conflict and you find yourself in struggling and then arguing. And then you start, and then all of these become spiritual difficulties, right? And now that you're in a family, guess what? Now you have responsibilities, right? You got to do this. You got to do that. You got this and you got this and you got this and you got this and you got, and all of those things can become almost obstacles to your spiritual life. You have now all of these other things. That's why Paul says, just, just stay with me here. First Corinthians seven. I know, I know, man, people are immediately already, I can already hear this guy's an idiot. This guy's an idiot. Okay. Just, just calm down. Just calm down. I know, I know you'll be very happy. I may be an idiot, but I think there's something here to consider. All right. I'm in second Corinthians. That's why it's making absolutely no sense. 1 Corinthians 7, um, let's see here. Um, what, where, what verse is it? I, I'm not even, I'm, I know it's in 1 Corinthians 7. I know it's in 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, give me one second here. I may have, I think I wrote it down. Um, yeah, let me, let me just pull it up really quick. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. And it's chapter seven, 
Yeah, I think it's verse, starting in verse 32. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32. Yeah, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32. But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried carried for, care, careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. So you see, the person who is single, the person who's not married, he can, he can focus on the things that please the Lord. He can, he can, he can, he can focus on that. But look what happens when you get married. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. Now, Paul at least acknowledges that when you get married, now there's something changes. There's a difference here. There's a dramatic change. There's a shift. And with that shift comes thousands of spiritual pitfalls. Because you've got all of these now issues. You get things you have to obey. There's all the problems that can arise within family. And I will argue that if you go through Genesis, how many of the issues arise within the context of family? Adam and Eve sin, and the very first thing, the very first thing we read after their fall, after all of that situation is resolved, is we read about two brothers oh, wait a minute, we have two brothers, and guess what? One kills the other. It's the family relationship that, now, now there were, I'm not saying there weren't other spiritual pitfalls, but now within that family relationship, there's a pitfall that arises. Now there's anger, there's resentment, there's bitterness. You name the issues, and boom, but it, it plays itself out within that family relationship, and then one kills the other. There is a there is a a a pitfall of, 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 to the family. Okay, maybe, maybe you're still not convinced. All right, think about this. Think about this. All right. Now I'm not again. I'm not denying family is a blessing from the Lord. I'm not denying that. I'm saying that with that, that 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 lays a camouflage down that we see. Oh, see, family's wonderful. Family's great. Family's oh, and we go crashing down. Like how did I end up down here? And, and usually you crash through and it has something to do with the context of family. Let me, let me just, if you don't believe me, answer me this question. Why is it that within Christianity, the, the very Christianity that says family is amazing, family is great, family is the greatest thing in the world, there has to be literally thousands, thousands I will say millions of books have been written and trying to help you navigate and fix problems within families. How to fix problems within your marriage. How to fix problems with your kids. How to fix this. How to deal with this. Th- th- these are problems. How to deal with finances in your marriage because it divides marriages. How to deal with, with uh, you know, intimacy issues that can help destroy marriages. Go on and 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 on. There's been millions of books. Forget the books. How many conferences are there on marriage conferences? How many, how many Christian psychologists counselors are out there to try to fix all of the family problems that are these these are christian families where there's like we got to go to counseling we need we need we need this we need to go to we need to go to a marriage conference we need this we need this we need that we need this we need that why why is there an entire industry that makes millions and millions of dollars there that rises within christianity to try to fix all the problems within christian families because within Christian families, there is, an, there is a pitfall that's just waiting for us that we don't see it. We're not warned of the danger, right? You're not warned of the danger. You're warned of the blessing. You're, you're promised the blessing. How amazing it's going to be. Now, I'm not saying everybody should run off and go join a monastery and live their lives in, in, in you know, solitary confinement away from everyone. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that maybe we need to have a more realistic approach. Hey, you know, when you get married, there's going to be some spiritual pitfalls waiting for you. Wait, wait, what? Yeah, spiritual pitfalls. And someone may ask, well, how, how, how is there going to be spiritual pitfalls? Well, realize the second you get married, <laughs> you, you, you now just inherited a whole bunch of spiritual commands that are directly related to marriage. You get married, wait a minute. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Now you have entered into a relationship that biblically, I will argue, you can't get out of. 
All right, well, that's going to put you in some dip. That means you've got to work through problems. Now, you, you as a sinner are entering into a relationship with another sinner and you're not, you're going to have conflict and that's going to be a spiritual pitfall that can hurt both of you spiritually. Oh, now you've got this relationship of one is to be the head over the other. There is, wait, wait, there's going to be, and we, we know early on, very early on in Genesis, I think this is very important to realize, all the way back in Genesis, after, after the fall has occurred, listen to this, Genesis chapter 3, right? And then, um, I'm just going to go through all, all the things that take place here after the fall. So after the fall, then the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the ca- cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shall thou go, and dust shall thou eat uh, all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Uh, it shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his hill. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow in the conception and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And then listen to this. And thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. Now, that it doesn't make sense that, oh, so as a result of the fall, she's not going to desire her husband. Nah, that doesn't seem to make sense. This seems to be giving the idea that she's going to desire to rule over her husband and then he's going to try to rule over her. That in other words, as a result of the fall, you immediately have built into marriage conflict. Because of now our sinful nature, she's going to be like, no, I desire to be over you. And this is the same kind of concept that's talked about Right here, when God warns Cain, um, you see here, um, verse 6 of chapter 4, Genesis 4, 6. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, th- shall thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shall rule over him. Sin is lying at the door, door and his desire is to rule over you. The woman's desire now is going to be to rule over the husband. And then the husband is going to respond by trying to rule over her, not in a godly way, but in an ungodly way. It's going to be the competition of two selfish, prideful, sinful human beings now coming together in one flesh. Yes, it's a blessing, but you don't see the spiritual pitfall waiting for you. You don't see it. It's all over the place. Look at, look at, just, just think about all the things that happen with family, broken relationships, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, division, gossip, slander, stabbing each other in the back. All of that happens in the context of family. Well, guess what? You get to navigate that as a Christian and all of it is like, you fall through and then you're, you're having some major spiritual issue. Well, what's, what's the cause of it? And sometimes it's related to Family, family, family. I, I've heard it so many times. Well, I can't, I can't do this spiritually. I can't do this because I have this responsibility in family and this responsibility in family. Now, I'm not saying you neg- neglect your responsibilities, but you have to realize all of those responsibilities can become a spiritual pitfall keeping you from the things of God. And now you've got to have two people committed to the things of God so that they can work together so to ensure that each other is growing spiritually. But if you don't have that, both people committed to that, then you may be more focused on the spiritual. They're not focused on the spiritual. And then they may become bitter or or almost become frustrated with your commitment to the spiritual. And then you're in conflict. You're within the family context. Now, I just want you to think about this in light of this. And this is what I wrote down in my journal. I wrote down this passage. Now, Christians know this passage. We quote it. We preach it. I don't think we ever think of the implications of it. Matthew 10, 37, the words of Jesus. Listen carefully. He that loveth father or mother more than me 
is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That all fits in the context. There's a warning about family. In other words, you family is a spiritual pitfall that you can start loving family more than you love God. You can start being more preoccupied with family than what God wants and God's will. There is a danger inherent in family life. And in Genesis 37, we read about a family. We read about a family here, right? Let's go through, let's go, let's go, Genesis 37. Let's go through this again. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger. There's Jacob, there's Isaac. Now go back and just read about Isaac. Go back and read about him and his wife. Isaac and Rebecca, go back and read, read about them. Are there problems that arise within that family? Go back, go back before Abram and Sarai. Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarah. Do not problems arise within that family? Yes, problems arise within the family. The family becomes the source is the spiritual pitfall. Wait, wait, we can't have children. All right, now, okay. So now they're married. They can't have children. That becomes a spiritual pitfall within that marriage situation. And so next thing you know, you're bringing in the Egyptian handmaid, Hagar. And, have, and then, then there's, the, there's division. There, problems. Oh, wait, someone wants to take my wife. Uh Uh-oh, I got to protect my, they'll kill me. Let's come up with a lie. Oh, wait, Abram, Abraham and Lot. Abraham, depart from your family. He brings Lot right along with him. Next thing you know, he's got to rescue Lot. Next thing you know, look, just, you can go on and on and on. Look what happens within Lot's context, right? He's in Sodom and Gomorrah. We can even go with Lot, okay? He's in Sodom and Gomorrah. Why is he there? But he's there with his family, with his family. And then look what happens. Everything goes horribly. Obviously, destruction comes upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And what does Lot do? He's got to get his family out. His, he loses his wife. Boom. Turns into a pillar of salt. Then he ends up in the mountains with his daughters. Boom. Next thing you know, he's drunk, having physical relations with his own children. All that happens within the context of family. You usually are not worried like, you know what, of all the things I need to worry about. I'm going to, I've got to be worried in my spiritual life about one day being in a cave, drunk, having physical relations with my children. That's, that's probably not something you perceive as a danger, but it happened in the context of family. What spiritual pitfalls does family present in your life. Now, I'm not saying you, you, you listen to me. I'm not saying, well, okay, so what I need to do is abandon my family and find a monastery. I am not saying that. I'm saying that you have to navigate life realizing that, in, that within that family dynamic, there are pitfalls, spiritual pitfalls that are camouflaged. And next thing you know, boom, you're, you're spiritually, you, you, you've, you've, you just, you've done, you've, you've messed up, you've hurt people, you've let people down, you've allowed that relationship, that bitterness, that division to hurt you spiritually. I mean, just there's so many spiritual pitfalls. Or you've loved your family so much that you've made them, you've placed them above God. That's not a good thing. What are the spiritual pitfalls that arise from family? So let's go back to Genesis 37. Here we go. We have Jacob. He dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. So there's Jacob, there's Isaac. These are the generations of Jacob. Now here comes Joseph. Now Joseph's part of family. He's 17 years old. He's feeding the flock with his brethren, right? He's, he's, he's goes out there to, to take care of, of, of the flock with his brethren. And this, and this culture, something is supposed to do. He goes out there, probably looking after them, helping them. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Now within this family, you have polygamy going on. All right. Again, all this happening within the context of family. And you could, well, we we could go back. Well, we're going to put polygamy in its own category, but that's okay. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now in this family context, Joseph goes out there and he sees 
something that they're doing. Now, if you read the Church Fathers, if, you, if you're using the, uh, the app that I told everyone about on the Church Fathers, you may see some interesting discussion about what possibly this evil report dealt with. But supposedly whatever he sees happens, he comes home and has to tell dad, hey, dad, you're not going to believe what the bro- my brothers are doing. Now, we could get into a whole discussion. Should he be telling? Should he not be telling? Is he doing the right thing? Or is he just simply bringing a bad report? Could, could he just talk to his, could he have just said, hey guys, you can't be doing, this is wrong. Now, did he do that? And the brothers were like, go away. Or did he just look and go, mm, 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 mm. Well, you know, I, he doesn't even say it to them, but in his mind, he's like, wait till dad finds out. We don't know. But see that this is all the, again, this all finds within the context of family because you're in family. You have these situations. What every, every situation with family, you always have to say, what do I do here? What do I do here? What do I do about this? How do I handle this? Oh, I got this situation with my daughter. How do I handle, I got this situation with my spouse. How do I handle this? How do I, oh, I got this situation with mother-in-law, father-in-law, whatever, whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be, how do you deal with that? How do you handle that? I'll, 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 I'll open the curtain. I'll open the, I'll pull back the curtain. I'll, I'll give you some insight into my relationship and, and, and a problem that we had in family. And it didn't become a, it didn't become a major problem uh, because I think I, hopefully I handled it in the most spiritual way possible, but just show you that it, it could have been a spiritual pitfall. Um, when I was uh, dating my wife, obviously she wasn't my wife at the time, her father hated my guts, never really quite understood why, but he he created a whole weird story that he supposedly had talked to my principal, to my school counselor, found out that I was dangerous, and that he he calls my my girlfriend at the time. Uh, she's in college and tells her, "Hey, you got to get you got to basically break up with with me. Got to break up with me, um, and and you got to get rid of him because." He's dangerous and whatever. And so I'm like, oh boy, she calls me. She's in tears. I, what do I do? What do I do? Now I come from a messed up background. I, I yes, I, I tried to kill myself. I spent uh, eight weeks in a psychiatric hospital. I mean, my story is one messed up story. So I mean, I really can't say, hey, no, I'm, there's, I'm, I've got it all together. I'm a wonderful guy. I, I, I really couldn't say anything. This is all I can say is, okay, you call my principal. You call my school counselor. You talk to them. I'm not going to defend myself. You talk to them, all right? Uh, I, I, because my past, anyone can bring up my past and use it against me at any time because I did plenty, 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 plenty of absolute horrible, horrific, messed up things, right? So I'm not, I'm not going to, and, and, I, and I'm not even going to pretend even as a Christian, I did plenty of messed up things. So, I mean, there's always something from my past someone could, could try to use against me. Okay, got it. So she contacted the principal and the school counselor, and they're like, what are you talking about? Uh, we never spoke to anybody, and even if they did call us, we wouldn't be given information out about him. And so they said, yes, that, that I had come from a really messed up background, but I, I really got things together. They, they, gave, they, they said some positive things about me, not just not all negative. So that was good. But they acknowledged that I had lots of difficulties at different times in my life. So found out that basically... Her father made it all up, which then created much bitterness between her and her father. There was major conflict between her and her father. And now I have to, now, so we, as we move forward and we're going to get married, okay, here, my father-in-law now is a man who literally made up stories about me and tried to destroy me. How am I going to approach this? Now, I could have said, we're not going to have anything to do with your father. I could have said, you know what? He's a jerk. He never apologized to me in any meaningful way. Um, he may apologize to, to my wife, but I mean, it was like, it was a really messed up situation. Now, how do I, how do I navigate this? I just tried to say, you know what? You you can have, I didn't do anything to try to impede her relationship with her father. You can go see them whenever you want. We will go see them, you know, together. Um, I'm going to try to be as nice and respectful as I can be. I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to bring this back up. I'm not going to fight for getting some kind of apology. And I just have to move on. But that was a difficult thing to get past. All happening within the context of what? 
family, <laughs> all within the context of family. And, and it was, it was difficult. Now, my wife's mother, she loved me. She thought it was great. She thought I hung the moon. I mean, she was absolutely great, wonderful, no, no problem at all. She, she, she was nice to me, n- nothing. So th- that was, that was great. But it was it was difficulty. But then later on, when my wife's mother health well well my my wife's father died unexpectedly, my wife's uh, my wife's mother had all my mother in law had all kinds of health issues, all kinds of health issues, and I w- and and after and I was like, well, she can come live with us, and we'll do everything we can to care for her. Well, we'll we'll make we'll make sure that she's taken care of. Um, now, for some families, that could have created much division. The, the, the husband could have said, I don't want mother-in-law living here, and it could have created a problem. But I was like, fine, let, let her move in. Now, in that case, I handled myself in a, in a good way, and I, I tried to do the right thing. But I'm saying that all of family, what I'm trying to show you is that at every turn, there's always a new situation that can arise that can create problem and conflict and difficulty. Mother-in-law, in-laws can create all kinds of problems. And then when your kids get older, you can have conflict. They're all, they're all these spiritual pitfalls. And every situation is like, do I handle it this way? Do I handle it that way? Do I ha-? Well, here, Joseph's telling on his, on his brothers. Hey, dead, guess what they did? Now, is he doing the right thing? Is he doing the wrong thing? The issue is whatever decision, whatever you think about his decision, the fact that we, we sit there and have to try to interpret if it was right or wrong, to me, proves my point. Family contains spiritual pitfalls. Should he have told, should he not have told? What's the biblical way of handling it? Did he handle it in a godly way? But we know this immediately, look what happens. I, I find it fascinating that right after he rep- gives the bad report, then we have the next verse that may give us some reason why he was so willing to give a bad report. Joseph, now Israel, or, or that's Jacob, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Now, now you're like, well, maybe Joseph was so willing to go tell dad because dad loved him more than those brothers he was telling on. Oh, and his father gave him a coat of many colors, a coat that indicates, you know, position, uh, you know, being being made the favorite, someone who is loved, someone who's who somehow viewed special. Well, now this is all happening within the context of family. Now we got one telling on the other. We got favoritism. One is in a sense being pointed out as being more special or exalted above the others. Well, I wonder what that's going to create. Okay, come on. Can anybody tell me? Some anger, some bitterness. Those are things that happen within the family context. How many families where there is bitterness, there's unforgiveness, there's brokenness, like all of those things are absolutely destructive to your spiritual life. Bitterness will destroy you. Unforgiveness is, is all of these situations are just problematic and they happen. I think what makes them so powerful within family is because that's family relations. So what spiritual pitfall or pitfalls have you encountered? As a result of family, what ones are you currently trying to navigate? Maybe you've already fallen into a pit. Maybe you're right now at the bottom of the pit and you have some unforgiveness and hatred of of your parents or or an in-law or an aunt, uncle, someone in the family. Those those are things that are are destroying your spiritual walk. They're hurting you. You got to crawl out of the pit. Like, okay, how do I handle this? spiritually. And once you get past whatever that family situation is, trust me, there's going to be another one two days later, a week later, a month later. It may be with you. Maybe some of you have smaller kids right now. The time is coming. You're going to face difficulties with them. Now you may, you've got to handle those. Those are going to be spiritual challenges because they can hurt you spiritually. Not, Not only that, you could hurt them spiritually. 
In other words, you could be the spiritual pitfall for your kids and your kids could become the spiritual pitfall for you where you're finding yourself filled with frustration and unforgiveness and bitterness and, and, and it just causes you all, it, it hurts you and your spiritual walk. You can be the spiritual pitfall for your spouse. Are you helping your spiritual, uh, are you helping your spouse navigate the dangers of other spiritual pitfalls? Are you the one contributing to them? You either eliminate them or you contribute to them. I mean, we could go back to 1 Corinthians 7 and get into, well, marriage. And we can get to some serious conversations there in 1 Corinthians 7. How marriage is supposed to avoid certain spiritual pitfalls, but in some cases, they become the source of the very spiritual pitfall and which is supposed to uh, alleviate. I'm just going to stop right there. I've already been at 55 minutes. I, I, I just, I'll, I'll go back to Genesis 37. I want you to see that family, that family itself can be a spiritual pitfall. Here we go. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brethren and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. They find themselves with hatred in part because of the actions of Jacob. Now, they're still responsible, but Jacob creates a situation, becomes a stumbling block, a spiritual pitfall for the brethren. Jacob's actions. Now, the actions of the brethren, of the brothers, do they not become possibly a, a spiritual pitfall to Jacob? You see how it all interacts? Family itself is, and, and, and one of the greatest dangers is just in a sense of, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting a notification from the Bible memory app that I need to do a, a Bible memory review. I keep forgetting. I need to do that. All right. So um, good thing that the, the app provides a, 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 a notification, a, a reminder. So Hopefully you have your notifications turned on and hopefully you're doing that. Uh, oh, good point, Will. All right. Will just made an excellent point that I'm an idiot and I, I forgot. All right. He just said, uh, has it been mentioned that Joseph could be the favorite because his mother was the wife that Jacob truly loved? There was already... In a sense, not only is it we could use it in regards to polygamy, which I'm going to set polygamy aside here, but in a sense that there was favoritism, which, which in the uh, Discord discussion group, we've been talking about favoritism here. But once again, it just shows that within that family unit in the past, right, he having multiple wives and Joseph is the son of the wife he truly loved the most. So Within this family unit, we already have favoritism. We have division showing up in the past. We have division now showing up here. We have favoritism in the past. We have favoritism here in, in Genesis 37. And it goes all the way back. You could go all the way back to Isaac. You could all. You could even go, We in, in the Discord group, there was a discussion about, well, how did Abram handle Sarah, Sarai or Sarah and Hagar? Hagar is just kind of like, well, hey, we, we used you, now go away, go away. Isaac, it becomes kind of the favorite and, and Ishmael kind of becomes like, hey, you know, well, just go away. And, and these problems show up throughout the story of these families. Now, all of these problems show up within the family context, which makes family, I think, the spiritual pitfall. That's what I'm emphasizing here. What we're going to do is we're going to take all of that, what's just been mentioned, and I'm going to place it in a separate category. So one of the, I think a spiritual pitfall for all of our lives is family itself. We have to see family as a spiritual pitfall. Even though we see it as a blessing, 
That's kind of the camouflage. See, it's wonderful. It's amazing. Well, that didn't go so well. That didn't go so great. What just happened? What just, how did I end up here? What, 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 that, that doesn't work. Right. And then, but what we're going to take the rest of this stuff, we're going to, we're going to connect it to what we're called generational sins. Because I think there's, there's something that happens within generations where there's a spiritual weakness that shows up and up. And I got I'll just end with this illustration. Now, this is a horrible illustration, but since Will is listening, maybe he'll get it. Maybe he will not because it's based, it's, it's really connected to a current storyline within professional wrestling. Now, I just got to mention this, all right? Just because it works perfectly for me. Within professional, for those who don't understand, professional wrestling is simply storytelling. That's all it is. Whatever you think about it, whether you think it's stupid, ungodly, whatever. It's just storytelling. Like books, movies, it's story, 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 stories. There's writers who sit in the back room who write up the entire story arc. Okay, here's how it's going to start. Here's gonna, Here's the big swerve. Okay, and we go, go through. There was a big storyline in the past with a group of individuals that was called The Shield. They were called The Shield, right? Three individuals, right? Seth, Roman, and Dean Ambrose. Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose. And these, these three were kind of called the hounds of justice in the sense that they went and whatever they felt was, there was injustice in the wrestling world. They were there to, to eliminate what they felt was wrong with wrestling and to eliminate the people. And they were like a brotherhood. They were brothers and they would always come out and hit their fists together. And they were like these brothers and that, that stuck together. And no matter what, nothing could tear them apart. And they had had this long storyline with another group called Evolution. And they didn't really care about brotherhood. They just wanted to make money and be famous. And, and they kept going back and forth, back and forth, these fights, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Great matches, cra- craziness going on and on. Well, then this one night, they just, the night before, they had a big match with uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. versus Evolution. And S.H.I.E.L.D. had won. Well, the leader of Evolution comes out and he's like, look, you think you guys have won, but you're, you're foolish. You're foolish because, look, I've always got a plan B. I always have a plan B. And so you're thinking, well, what could be plan B? Like, how, where does the story go next? Well, while the three members of the S.H.I.E.L.D. are in the ring, Seth, Roman, and Dean, Roman and Dean kind of step closer to the ropes and Seth kind of steps back. Seth picks up a chair. The leader of evolution says, I've always got a plan B. And all of a sudden, Seth takes that chair and begins to beat up his brothers within the shield. They didn't see it coming. They were so worried on the external threat outside the ring, they didn't see that there was a pitfall right there in the ring. Their own brother, Seth, turns on them, and then everybody is shocked, and then it leads to all the other stories. And now that storyline, finally, after all of these years, is kind of coming back together because now Roman and Seth are going to face each other. Okay, you don't care about all of that, but I want you to see, they didn't see the danger. They didn't see the threat because they're they're brothers, they're family. Nothing's going to happen within the family. The threat is outside there. Sometimes spiritually, we don't realize that family itself contains hundreds of spiritual pitfalls. And we're so told it's a blessing, it's wonderful, it's great. And it is. But we we don't really realize that family itself, the very family is a source of spiritual pitfalls. And, And in one ways, we do realize it because that's why there's an entire industry Marriage counseling, books on marriage, how to deal with your children, how to deal with your in-laws. I mean, there's millions of billions of dollars have been made in trying to give us all of this content to help us with all the problems that happen within family. But we've got to see family is the spiritual pitfall. It's camouflaged as being something that's wonderful and great. And then the next thing you know, you step in it and you go crashing down and you're in the pit. And then you're getting stabbed in the back or you're getting stung, not stung, bit by rattlesnakes. Or you're getting hit in the back with a chair in a wrestling storyline. That's what I want you to see this week in this Bible study exercise. Is that family is a source of spirit is, is a spiritual pitfall. Jesus warns us: love not mother, father, daughter, child, anybody. 
more than me. So, so immediately there's a spiritual pitfall of loving family more than God. So there's one just right there clearly laid out in scripture. But I think when we read in Genesis and we see all of the mess going on within families, if we're like, we don't see family as a source of spiritual pitfalls, we are being foolish and we're being naive. We've got to navigate that. And every day there's a new navigation that here's your, you're living your spiritual life and then boom, because of family, Right there. That's why Paul said, hey, when you're single, you don't have those issues. Now, you still may have issues related to your own mother or father. You always got some connection to family in some way, shape, or form to some level, all right, depending on how things went in your family or how things, you know, you may may not have any relationship at all with your family, and I definitely can understand that. You have no relationship with your family. Well, then you don't have any of those issues. But then when you start your own family, now guess what? Those spiritual pitfalls are waiting for you are waiting for you. The, the answer is not to eliminate your family and to get to say, I'm, I'm just going to leave them all. And no, the key is, you know, you've got to understand, oh, how do I navigate this? And that's why in Genesis 37, we immediately start debating, well, wait a minute, was it wrong for Joseph to tell on his brothers? We start debating even the actions right there. And the, the same thing happens in our family relations. We have to debate, well, is that the right? Well, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? And next thing you know, you may be committing 15 different sins and how you're handling yourself because of spiritual pitfalls. All right. Thanks, Will. Great, great illustration. And uh, well, it, it also, it's going to add to what we're going to talk about next. So with the first spiritual pitfall this week, family. Right. The next spiritual pitfall we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to have. To, we're going to debate. Is it a generational sin, or is is it cultural infiltration? It, it will make sense the next time we talk. Uh, if you're part of the Discord channel and the discussion, oh, start. I hope it's going to be some good discussions. If anybody wants to be a part of that group, please. We have a very small number of people. Just email me and I'll send you the link. Just download the app. It's free. You don't have to participate in all the conversations. Whenever you want to just turn off the notifications, it's very easy. But uh, it it makes for a good place to talk about these issues and to flesh them out. And I think it's another uh, major part of the Bible study exercises. So if you want to be a part of it, let me know. All right, I'll stop right there. You can email me as well, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. You got a little bit of everything in this episode, even a wrestling storyline. I know you're like, who cares? I, I Don't worry about it being wrestling. If I, if I would have just told the story like it was in a book, people would be like, oh, that's an interesting, that, but when you mentioned wrestling, people are like, I don't want to hear it. It's just a story, just a story. It's not real. It's a story, okay? It's a story, right? So, just using it for illustration purposes. I always have to then explain myself because I'll get 50 emails, someone complaining about it. It's, just, it's interesting. You can tell the same story in a book and like nobody will say anything. Tell the story and say it's professional wrestling. They'll be like, what in the world? And I'm like, oh man, it's the same thing. Okay, calm down. All right, there we go. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. I hope, I hope you found that as interesting as I did. I know everyone's gonna disagree with me on my perspective, so it'll be an interesting, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to go look at the Discord channel right now because I'm probably already getting comments of like, well, I'm leaving this Discord group and I'm never listening to that podcast ever again. Okay, so we'll see who's left by the time uh, this week is over. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.